0: Hey winner, welcome to Red Hot Mindset. My mission through this podcast is to help you step into the fire of refinement so you can realize your full potential. I do this by helping you overcome your mental barriers through a faith-based approach of building inner strength and resilience. Life is one massive marathon and it's up to you to run your own race and to finish it well. Step into the fire with me because I know you will come out stronger. Today is a special day because I'm letting you in on a conversation between me and one of my business mentors. She has helped me break into the online space and get my business to the point where I can now have a real impact on others. Her leadership and guidance have meant the world to me, and I'm constantly learning and implementing new strategies that she teaches. She's not afraid to try new things and prioritizes personal growth so she can be a better version of herself. Today, I'm introducing to you Gillian Perkins, who is the founder of Startup Society and the host of the Earn More, Work Less podcast. She also hosts an entrepreneurship focused YouTube channel that has received more than 12 million views to date. Gillian works closely with online business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs, teaching them how to develop passive income and flexible lifestyles. As the creator of 10 plus profitable online courses and the founder of a popular membership site, She provides expertise in creating and launching digital products. Gillian is also the founder of Aptus Creative Marketing and of Northwest School of Music. She runs her company with a primarily remote team, enabling her to travel the world with her family and homeschool her three young children. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Well, I do appreciate you being um, willing to be on here with me and, to just take the time to really dive into your dream and how it evolved and kind of the why behind it. And that's kind of what we're gonna be talking about today uh, with Gillian Perkins. So welcome, I'm excited to have you here. I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit more about you and your family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, just thank you so much for having me on your new podcast. I'm really excited for you starting this new venture and as we were talking about a little bit earlier i'm also starting my own new podcast so we're kind of in this together so yeah let me tell you a little bit about kind of my family and kind of like i guess my personal background just a little bit so i live in pacific northwest and i've got three little kids um and a husband and i work from home running my own business and i've been doing that basically forever. Um, I had a couple little gigs when I was younger, but other than that, I've been running my own business, which has looked like a lot of different things over the years. Um, I run a few different businesses and some of them were very time intensive and didn't really allow me to spend much time with the kids. Um, which was difficult. Um, And now I run an online business that allows me to truly work from home, not with clients or um, from an office or anything like that, but work out of my home office and spend just about 20 hours a week running my business, which is providing me with a lot of flexibility and just allowing me to spend a lot more time with the kids. So I'm homeschooling them now. Um, We're just really getting into that. My oldest is six and he's doing first grade this year. Uh, so that's being an adventure in and of itself. Um, if we're going to like dive into things real deep, real fast, homeschooling and running a business at the same time is challenging. Even if you only you know, have to spend 20 hours a week on your business, it still is uh, just difficult to kind of like mentally manage two different big projects like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. I got three boys, and I homeschool them as well, and that's one of my passions now that was not a passion that I thought I'd have ever. Was that something that you had wanted for your family, or is that something that's kind of evolved?
1: Well, homeschooling itself is something that I've always known I was going to do. I was homeschooled growing up, and I just saw such a difference there um, with my parents really being very intentional about what I was learning and how I was learning it and what I was exposed to or not. And when I was exposed to different things. Um, And of course I think it's so important that kids do get exposed to the real world, you know, and learn how to deal with it. Um, But I also think it's important that as parents, we really do shelter them um, until we recognize they're ready (laughs) for certain things. um, And that we really are that, most influential guiding force in their lives. Um, so it's something that was really a non-negotiable um, With me and my husband felt exactly the same. So that part was the easy decision as far as if I felt Excited about it or whether I felt passionate about it. I would say that's something that's kind of ebbed and flowed um, When I was in high school and being homeschooled, I was actually really excited about homeschooling my kids because I was in it and I saw some things I liked about my homeschooling and other things I didn't and so I had all sorts of ideas about how I wanted to homeschool my kids um, and I would say that that passion kind of continued until I had had my first child and they were a toddler and I I think I started kind of too early, although I don't think, I don't know if anything would have been different had I waited, but I started a little bit on the early side trying to teach some, like, beginning preschool stuff, and I just kind of quickly got a little bit disillusioned with um, how much work it was, and how little progress I saw, I saw and um, kind of gave up then, not, I not gave up on the idea of homeschooling, but just gave up on some of my, like, ideals and aspirations of how magical it was going to be, <laughs> um, and, Not that I actually gave up, though. I continued to work at it, of course. And then ever since then, I've just been kind of working on maybe not finding my original passion. I mean, it would be great if that came back, but more just on like finding practical ways that are working for both me and the kids where we're getting the work done and we're both enjoying it. And I would say it's an upward spiral that it's getting better and better and better. But it's definitely has been a process to find those things that work.
0: Right, right. That's so cool. I commend you for that, especially with running the business. But I think it's probably a nice thing that your business is only 20 hours a week, usually. And that gives you that flexibility. And so I think that's really cool that you kind of set yourself up in order to be able to uh, homeschool the kids.
1: Mm -hmm, Yeah. And honestly, that's probably kind of part of where the problem came from is that when I was initially trying to start homeschooling was when I was working the very most. And it was just a lot to deal with, with working 40 plus hours a week, and then also trying to start homeschooling. Um, And that's probably also why it's continued to get better, is that over the years, I've worked less and less. Um, And then also, just as I've tried different things with homeschooling, I've been able to kind of find a groove there.
0: Right, right. Now, I want to hear a little bit about what you did Beforehand, because I know you were working fifty hours a week and really making part-time income.
1: But -hmm. before
0: that, I do want to hear a little bit about your childhood and the fact that were you always a big dreamer, or did you always have some what of an entrepreneurial uh, spirit about you?
1: Yeah. Do you want me to start there with my childhood? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's go all the way back. (laughs) Okay. Yeah.
1: So as a child, well, I would say I've always been a big dreamer, and I've also always been. I would say an optimist, although some people in my life have argued with me about that because I do tend to be a pretty practical dreamer, practical optimist. I'm not dreaming about like big, completely unreasonable things necessarily. Um, And yeah, I just like to keep my dreams relatively realistic, but still big. Um, But I was a very lazy child. (laughs) <laughs> and um, that's something I've continued to work on throughout my life, and I would say I'm, I'm probably at an all-time high of my work ethic. So that's great because it's it's more comfortable to have a good work ethic. I would say mm-hmm. um, instead of feeling terrible about how lazy you are. Um, but I was a very lazy child and a very lazy teenager, and so I was I had this conflict in my mind between some pretty big dreams I had um, that seemed kind of unrealistic, especially considering the trajectory I was on um, in terms of me actually getting things done um, and then at the same time yeah just not really putting in the work that needed to happen to make those dreams come about um, And it was an interesting um, just an interesting thing I think to watch from the inside and from the outside because from the outside I think a lot of people saw me kind of doing a lot um, trying a lot of things. I was always, I always tended to be kind of an overachiever um, and I'd get, you know, good grades. And I got not a job, but I started doing some, some freelance work when I was pretty young. Um, and so from the outside, a lot of people saw me doing a lot of things. But from the inside, when I say I was lazy, I had a really hard time sticking to things. So I would work really hard in one class and get a great grade, and then I would like completely drop the class the next semester or something like that. Um, or I, when I first started doing the freelance work, I, you know, it was ambitious of me, I guess, to start doing that at a pretty young age. But then I didn't do it very well for a while, just because of that laziness. So that's what I mean when I say like, on the one hand, I was getting things done, but on the other hand, I had trouble with work ethic.
0: Okay. So I, I guess you would maybe term that ambitiously lazy. <laughs> yes. Yes.
1: Hmm.
0: I would say that's a it. good description. <laughs> I love it. Well, I know you've dabbled in a lot of things. You've written a book. Uh, you you did some real estate for a while. You had a you music school that I believe you still have. So
1: no, nope, actually, you don't yeah. have. One. I don't have it anymore. I sold it a few years back when this business that I run today finally really started getting some traction. I decided to take the leap, focus on one thing, and I sold the music school that I'd spent the last nine years building.
0: Wow! Oh, that's exciting too, though, because it gives you that focus and on one. Yeah, it
1: really was. Yeah, it was fantastic. It was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Was just to let go of that. It was kind of a scary decision because, I mean, like I said, I put a lot of time into building it. Um, and I kind of wondered if I was, I mean, not giving away, but giving up um, the the biggest, best thing I'd ever built. Um, but it was incredibly freeing to be able to step away from it um, because as as wonderful as music is, it really isn't my passion in life. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other things that I find far more interesting and far more important really. And so as much as I enjoy music, it wasn't what I wanted to be spending all my time or energy on. And I was having a really hard time motivating myself to put in the work. This kind of goes beyond the, the laziness, but just, I, I didn't have that motivation to to invest the amount of time and energy into building the music school into what it could be. And so stepping away from it really just freed me up to be able to pursue things that were much more meaningful to me um, and also freed the music school up to be able to pass on to someone else who had more passion for music than I did. And it's continued to thrive.
0: That's really cool. And I think it's important for us to know uh, when we should hold on to things and when we should let them go, because at some point... um, our leadership only goes so far and somebody else could make it thrive even more. And even though it's our baby, it's okay to have somebody else take ownership and to change things or to, to do what's best for the company. And I think that's a really wise decision that you made. And I think that if you didn't have a passion, I, I, something about um, work is that I think it's not, it doesn't feel like work when it's your passion. And I think mm-hmm. you probably found that in your online business that you don't feel like you're working, and you could probably work all day if you because you yeah. want because you love it. And I can tell that just in what you do.
1: Yes, yes, and so that really was the the big wonderful transition was moving from something that felt like work into something that was so enjoyable that. I, I did spend, I I did work all day, every day for quite a while running this business, even though I didn't necessarily have to, Till I finally realized I needed to um, focus, I need to reevaluate my priorities and decide exactly how much time I wanted to spend working. But I was very happy to work 40 or 60 hours a week on this business as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that what you were saying about how it's important to know when to hold on to things and when to let things go. I mean, that that goes so much beyond even just like a particular business, you know, do I keep this business or do I sell it or do I close it, but all sorts of other things we could pursue or spend our time or energy on. And for me, I've kind of discovered that uh, in the past, I had a really difficult time choosing to let things go. I would hold on to so many things so tightly, all sorts of things, you know, a business I was building or an interest I was pursuing or a relationship or physical possessions, all sorts of things. And I really just discovered that it kind of came down to a scarcity mindset Mm -hmm. that I, I was worried about, you know, paying the bills and worried about having friends and all sorts of other things. And it meant that I clung to things and it caused a lot of stress. And when I was able to finally move past that was when I really let a lot of big things go, things that would have been completely out of the question to even consider letting go before that. Um, and it made me a lot happier and also a lot more successful.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. I think that's it's so important. And I can totally relate to that, too, because I've always been one with multiple roles, trying to figure out where I should be and what I should do and all that. So when it comes to that, when you were working on trying to find the thing that you thrive at or uh, your calling or whatever you want to call it, um, what was it in your search that you were looking for?
1: When I was thinking about a calling, and this kind of goes back to to my childhood again, you know, when you're a kid, you get asked, what do you want to be when you grow up or what do you want to do when you grow up? And then I hear a lot of adults these days Saying, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and I definitely was that person until a few years ago. I kept saying that, and I kind of thought I was going to just keep saying it my entire life. Even though I had found some things that I did, you know, it was as most adults who say that. Uh, as is the case for most adults who say that it's not that they don't have a job or they don't even have a career or anything like that. It's that they don't really feel like it's quite what they really want to do with their whole life. And, and that's about how it was for me. Um, and going back to when I was younger, particularly, I would say, um, well, starting when I was actually quite young. And I, I've talked about this before, but my dad was a landscape architect um and so he was self-employed and he loves what he does so much um it's completely his passion in life absolutely what he was born to do um i'm sure plenty of people get a degree in landscape architecture and do that and it's just a job for my dad like it's his passion um and he's really good at it. and so i saw my dad doing that and i i knew i didn't want to do that you know i mean i thought I could, but I didn't have any passion for it. And then I saw the people who worked for my dad who were landscape laborers. So they were the people who were out in the mud in the winter, digging the holes and planting the trees. And that seemed like really hard work. And like I said, I was kind of a lazy child. So I knew I didn't want to do that. And then the only other sorts of jobs i heard about were the sort of like stereotypical jobs that you hear about when you're a kid, like firefighter or lawyer or doctor, things like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those jobs, um, if you think about them when you're a kid or when you're an adult, you're like, well, yeah, I could be a firefighter or a policeman or something like that, but I'm not going to, right? Yeah, <laughs> Not really something you consider. And then there are probably a few of those jobs that you do consider for one reason or another. So for me, one of the jobs I kind of considered was being a lawyer or an attorney. Um, and the reason was because I always kind of preferred bookwork. And I saw it as that sort of job, you know, a research job for the most part. Um, and I wanted a job that paid well, um, both because I had like some physical, worldly things that I saw that I wanted, you know, I wanted to have a house that looked like this, you know, etc. Um, so I, I knew that I, that was kind of, especially because I didn't see another job that really appealed to me from like a passion sense. I just thought well if none of these jobs are going to give me fulfillment from work at least like the money can be somewhat fulfilling right you know right. like <laughs> if i'm gonna work i might as well like have the things that you know are the the benefit of the job um and so i i considered being an attorney or something like that but it still it did not sit right with me um the idea of trading 40 plus hours and for an attorney of course it's normally a lot more than that but 40 plus hours a week which is basically your whole life <laughs> just yep. for the money like I, I wanted the money but I didn't want it that bad <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so it was kind of I was kind of resigned to okay I guess I'm gonna go be a lawyer because I have to pay for food somehow and any jobs gonna take 40 hours a week and at least will pay me more um, but I, I kept looking for something else and I kept looking and I kept looking and the the reason I was having such a hard time Uh, finding the right opportunity for me I later realized was because I was looking at lists of college majors and I was looking at lists of uh, jobs ways that you could be employed Um, and so taking like tests to figure out what is the right job for you Um, and the job that was right for me was running my own business being an entrepreneur um, being a public speaker and being a creator a content creator, and those things are not on these lists of jobs. They're not things you need a degree to get necessarily. You might get a degree that somehow helps you with one of them, but uh, you're not typically going to get a degree that gives you permission to start your own business or anything like that. So I was basically just looking in the wrong place, um, and I think that there's a lot of people out there who actually probably have a very similar experience to what I had, uh, because well, not everyone is made to be an entrepreneur or wants to be an entrepreneur. I think there are a lot of people out there who are kind of movers and shakers, they're creators, they wanna make their own thing. And so if they do the same thing I did, if they try to follow through with the school system or if they're looking for a job, they're going to continue to come up dry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And so for me, it was only through just a lot of experimentation, a lot of kind of resisting, um, really going forward with continuing my education um, I did go to college for a couple of years as I had a scholarship, but I didn't really feel persuaded to continue that long-term. Um, and I didn't know why. So I felt a little bit like, like a failure to some extent, at least a failure to find my calling, even though I wasn't actually failing at what I was doing. Um, but I just felt like I, like I didn't have a, 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 a job related purpose in the world you know like some people are like this job this is my purpose and i was like well i i do my job to make the money because i need the money you know um and it wasn't until i just had done so much experimentation trying different things that i finally found something that really was exactly my my fairy tale idea of what a dream job would be like yeah
0: yeah that's cool so what do you think is your purpose in it what is what makes it your fairy tale dream job?
1: Well, when I say my fairy tale dream job, I kind of mean like when you're when you're younger, you read like romance novels or you hear Disney fairy tales, and you hear about this like how like this prince charming, and then you grow up and you realize, well, all men are humans too, and they're not prince charming, <laughs> right? And so you're gonna marry a human who is flawed, uh, and your your marriage will be, um, you know, have its difficulties, just as any human relationship does. Um, and so I had kind of resigned myself to just thinking that the that, uh, the idea of a dream job was a myth, um, or at least something reserved for a special few people who were um, uh, very talented or at least very passionate artists uh, who were going to be starving artists. Um, and I and that was not me, you know, because I had no talent, I had no passion, and. Um, yeah, so it wasn't going to be me, right? And so I thought that for everyone else, I guess you just had to kind of suck it up, find something that you liked well enough, and then you know do it for a living. Um, but the, the main things I wanted were I wanted it to be a job that was related to something I was very interested in and that involved a lot of learning. I wanted to be able to like constantly be interested in discovering new things in my job. Um, because as a kid, that was really what I liked doing the very best, was learning and then mm, sharing with people, not necessarily like teaching them, but talking with them about things I had learned. That was like, if I could sum it up um, in a sentence, that's what I loved doing the most. I couldn't imagine getting paid to do that. Right. <laughs> you know, how, how would that work? Who would pay me for that? And um, so I, I really wanted a job that that was kind of the base thing that I did in it um and then doing that sort of work on a topic that was also interesting to me and then I also wanted a job that as I mentioned paid me really well Uh, and the main reason for that was really because I didn't want to have to work 40 hours a week and so my reasoning was well if it pays me really well I can work 20 hours a week or less and still make fine living Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted I knew that I wanted to be a mom so I wanted to have plenty of time to spend with my kids um but I also knew that if I was just a stay-at-home mom, not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but for me, I probably wouldn't find fulfillment in that. And I probably would get a little bit bored, a little bit stir-crazy, and kind of, because I tend to be an ambitious person. And so I probably just want a little bit more. I probably want to be like building something, making something. Now, again, not that there's anything wrong with that at all. Right, right. Obviously, child rearing is extremely important work. And if you can find your fulfillment in that, clearly you are doing something very important. You are building something. It can be very creative. But for me, I just knew that I kind of needed like a personal project of some sort. Um, mm-hmm. And I felt that it might as well be a project that made money. <laughs> right. Totally. Um And so that was kind of what i was looking for although i probably couldn't have summed it up in as many words and the reason i couldn't sum it up was really because it seemed like it was reaching it seemed like i was asking for too much um it seemed like i was asking to have my cake and eat it too like i wanted a job that both like was incredibly fun and easy (laughs) and i also wanted a job that paid me really well and I didn't see anywhere in the world an example of that. I saw people who were working really hard and kind of miserable at their jobs but made great money, and I saw starving artists.
0: So when was it, or was there a specific time where you kind of made the click that you could have both of those?
1: Well, I would say that the first time when I, although I'm not sure if I can pinpoint it to a very specific time, Mm -hmm. um, but when I was... Working on this when I was first thinking about this. I started reading some books Um, And honestly, I kind of want to go back and reread these books because I read them at a pretty young age and you know how some things just kind of like go over your head when you're young and um, Then you remember them kind of strangely Um, And also just whenever you approach a new subject and your initial uh, Your initial impression of the subject can be very skewed. Um, until you learn more about it. And so I started reading books about making money, essentially, um, because again, I was looking for some kind of alternative job, you know, like how can I support myself without working a nine to five? Um, so I started reading these books about making money and they were about all sorts of strange schemes. And I'm sure that some of these schemes were uh, like a pyramid scheme or uh, or something like this, but most of them were about real estate investing. Um, and I just thought it was like really interesting that some people were making a living without a job and they were making a very good living for themselves. Um, and of course, I have no idea how much of the information in these random books I was reading was true or not, but it really did kind of inspire me that maybe this was possible. Um, and then after reading a few of those books, I remember I read um, Tim Ferriss' Four Hour Workweek, mm-hmm. um, which is a very interesting book. I'm, I'm sure most people who are listening to this Will have read it because it is a very well known book. Um, but especially, like I was saying, like when you first encounter a subject, you want one impression, and then after you dive a little bit deeper into it, you give a different understanding of it. And I almost feel like that book was Tim's first impression of this whole world of alternative ways to make a living. Uh, in retrospect, some of the things in that book are rather strange. Um, maybe he still uh, would, uh, I don't know. Recommend them just as much as he did in that book. Uh, but when I first read it, I thought, okay, these are all great ideas. And in retrospect, I feel like some of them are maybe a little questionable, not like, not questionable morally, but questionable just in the sense of like, how practical is that really? I don't know. Uh, but it's a great read, um, at least for the sake of inspiring you to uh, alternative ways to make a living or really to um, approach. Achieving any sort of dream or goal that you have just kind of alternative ways to get what you want um, And so the, reading those books was really kind of the first step in that direction And then like I said after that it was just dabbling in a million things trying so many different things and slowly finding some things that paid me better than other things um, so as I was doing different types of work um, and I started trying to build an online business. And by that, I really just, mean I started a blog um, and started earning a little bit of money online. And I just noticed that some things I had to work really hard in, at, or at least put in a lot of time for, mm-hmm. and then I'd get paid. And then other things I would put in some work and then I'd wait a while and then I'd get paid, but I'd get paid more for the actual time I put in, which is kind of where you start to talk about passive income. Mm -hmm. And so that was when I really realized, hmm, I need to figure out a way to do more of the things that I work once and then get paid multiple times instead of where I'm putting in hours and then just getting paid for the time I put in.
0: Very cool. When you were starting on this adventure or journey of entrepreneurship and online businessing, what was your why? Like your real, real why? If somebody were to ask you, not just the one that you'll tell everyone, but the real one, and <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, and yeah. has that evolved over time, especially now as you have the family and kids looking at up to you?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that my real, real why, this is me being super honest, but my real, real why was I wanted to be able to make a lot of money without like hardly any work. <laughs> and that was what I thought I wanted. I thought that I, I just had these like material things I wanted and I didn't think they were the most important thing in the world. But as far as like if we're talking about a job here, that was what I wanted the job to give me was I wanted these material things and I didn't want it to be too much work or take too much of my time because I also wanted to go have fun. You know, and fun just meant like spending time with my family or going on adventures or or being lazy and reading a book, you know. And and that was what I really wanted. And I don't necessarily think that there was something wrong with wanting that from a job. Um I don't know kind of well, I don't think I could have wanted what I want at this point. It would have been great if I could have, but I don't know if I if I could have. And so I'm not sure if there could have been a better why that could have been. Legitimate, um, but let me share with you what my why is now, um, and and why I don't think I could have had this why back then. Um, basically, as I've made more money, I've realized that I'm sure you've heard before about how there's like this income threshold that's like seventy thousand or seventy-five thousand beyond which more money doesn't make you happier. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that threshold, what it really is, is it's the the threshold at which You can easily pay all your bills and have all of the the basic things that you want, you know, not big, extravagant luxuries, but it's the point at which you have zero stress about money as long as you're not overspending. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I found that that was really true. Now, I think that um, like those, that number that I mentioned, I think it's kind of old at this point, and maybe that number should be a little higher, maybe around 100,000 just because of inflation and things like that. But I do think that there's a threshold at which um, you don't have any stress about money anymore. And so the reason why I'm not sure if I could have had a much better why back when I was first starting was because I had so much stress about money. We really didn't have enough money. we were barely scraping by. Um, and I'm sure that a bit of more careful budgeting, more frugality certainly could have helped. but even even living um, well within our means there's wasn't quite enough to pay the basic bills um and so it was tough for me to really think beyond kind of that first need and the first need of course wasn't actually money it was shelter and food and clothes um, and when those needs um of course they were being met but i was stressed about the prospect of them possibly not being met um it's tough to think beyond just meeting those needs Mm -hmm. So that's why I say it would have been tough for me to have had much of a better life. Um, Not that it wouldn't have been impossible, but that's kind of where I was stuck. Um, Whereas now that I'm beyond that threshold, I've found that personally, I'm very not motivated by money at all, and in general, not motivated by numbers. Um, We set numbers goals in my business sometimes as um, just like a target to aim at. But it's not the number that is motivating me ever anymore. It's just for the sake of making plans. So if we're trying to launch a podcast, for example, um, and we're and we're trying to decide what we should do in launching the podcast, well, having a number that we're aiming at, like a number of reviews we initially want to get or a number of downloads we're trying to get, it tells us what we need to do and how much effort we want to put in. Whereas if we had no goal to aim at, then we wouldn't know how hard we needed to try. Right. Um, But that's not what motivates me to do the work anymore um, or to continue building my business. I really am so motivated now by the work itself and working on doing the work better. So I'm so much more motivated by quality, not quantity now. Um, And I just find that I'm much more satisfied with my work um, and, and really with so many aspects of my life when i work on getting better at what i do and doing things better um and creating better things that i am more proud of so for me that means like working on making my youtube videos continually better making my company more organized so that uh, it runs more smoothly um so that it's a place that my employees really enjoy working at making sure that our customers are really satisfied all of those things i find incredibly fulfilling um and i i really can't even be motivated by the numbers of our tribe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've never been no motivated by numbers either. Numbers are not my thing. Like, I'm not very analytical. So that's one of my mm-hmm. hardest parts in business is figuring all those things out. Um, as I want to go back to talk a little bit about uh, being at home as a mom. And mm-hmm. I think there's something important about us having something for ourselves, something of significance, whether it means just an activity or maybe mm-hmm. it is having a business. Um, and something to drive us, but I think it comes from the fact that our kids are watching us and everything that we do, so um, do you feel like with your business that you can use it to teach your kids life lessons and use it to be their role model in how you can live differently?
1: Yes, I do, absolutely, and I really appreciate that aspect of it a lot, and I try to bring my, my kids into my business as much as I can. And I just mean by that like involving them in the discussion of it or talking to them about what I'm working on. Um, but at the same time, I'll, I'll openly admit that being an entrepreneurial parent can be very challenging, not just with juggling um the time you need to spend working or the energy with parenting, but your especially when you work at home, your kids kind of see your work in a different light. Because you don't get to blame your boss for why you're gone. (laughs) You know, uh, if you have a job and then you work 40 hours, well, you can essentially tell your kids you have to because that's what your boss said. Right. You know, or if you have to stay late, well, sorry, you know, I had to, they made me. Um, When you're an entrepreneur and you talk to your kids about it, they know nobody's making you do anything and so if you're working too much there's only one person to blame um and so that i mean i say jokingly but it really can i think have potentially a negative effect on the on the child um, if you don't handle it the right way uh they could be left feeling like their parent doesn't care very much about them they could um just wonder why their mom works so much in a way that they might not wonder if If I had a regular job, um, they're a lot more aware of when I'm working because I'm working at home. And so occasionally I'll come out of my office, you know, eat lunch with them, or they'll hear me in here talking, you know, things like that. Unlike if I left to go to a job, I think that they would more forget about me for that time, Um, which sounds bad, but I I honestly think it's easier on both the parent and the child. of course, that's not to say that I want to go away because it is so nice to be so close and be able to not miss a single moment, you know, to be able to go out there and be with them whenever I want to or whenever I need to. Um, and it really it really is so nice to be able to work from home. I wouldn't give it up. Um, I'm just admitting that there are some challenges there as well.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I've done kind of all different aspects and I would say a lot of times I say it would just be easier going back full time. For that reason Mm -hmm. it is you're juggling a lot of things when you're working from home but but it is definitely worth it is there a a certain atmosphere that you try to create for your kids
1: I would say that on the one hand I want my children to know that they are completely loved and supported and cared for you know will be there for them at any time in any way but on the other hand I I want that to be you know, right alongside of that. It's not actually, these two things aren't in contradiction to each other at all, but sometimes it can feel like it. I want them to be very independent and self-starters and very able to take care of themselves. Um, And so oftentimes kids have one or they have the other, you know, either their parents aren't around at all. And so they just have to learn how to fend for themselves sort of thing, you know how to do everything for themselves or else their parents are doting over them, and being helicopter parents, you knowing and taking care of their every need. Um, but I don't think that those two things really need to be in opposition with each other at all. Um, I see no reason at all why a child can't feel fully loved and supported and at the same time have to learn how to uh, do many things for themselves and take care of themselves for many ways. Um, and that's something that in some ways I, I, I see some, that there was some room for improvement in my childhood. But at the same time, I feel that I got a taste of that in a really real way. Um, my parents were very supportive of me, were, did care for me very well. I never doubted their love for me or their their intention to, to, to help me have the best, you know, and to just support me however I needed it. But at the same time, they didn't do much for me at all. Um, they were never the parents who um, bought me a car or helped me get my first job or anything like that, um, anything remotely close to that. You know, they, they didn't help me decide to go to college or not to go to college. They definitely weren't going to pay for it. Nothing like that. And so I really had to, for, for anything that had to do with like my future I was really, it was really dependent on me to figure out what I wanted and to make it happen. Um, and I think that was a really good because it made me very responsible in that way. Um, and you know, most most adults who you or I know, they're probably pretty responsible adults, like they get the chores done, they go to work, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. But it takes, I would say, Another level of responsibility, and maybe there's a completely different word for this that I'm not thinking of, but another kind of level of responsibility where you're really taking responsibility for all your actions, um, which sometimes can be big, painful because you know that you're responsible for all of your mistakes, but in order to go after your dreams, in order to start a business, you, you have to know what you want. You also have to be able to motivate yourself to take those, those first steps and to take the hard steps and to take the boring steps. Um, and that's kind of another level of responsibility. It's not just taking care of the basics, right? But it's going beyond the basics. And because my parents never took care of my future for me in that way at all, uh, even so much as I talk about being homeschooled a little bit, at first my mom tried to homeschool me. It didn't work very well. And so she ended up just handing my homeschooling over to me at, at in fifth grade, um, which, in retrospect, seems a little bit crazy. I don't know how that worked, but it was like, let's try this at least at the time because what we were doing wasn't working. So she just handed it all over to me and from fifth grade through 12th grade. I homeschooled myself and I just read the textbooks and did the work. And there was a lot of things I missed because of it. Um, plenty of assignments I skipped because I didn't want to do them, you know, tests I skipped or just read the answers for, you know, all sorts of things like that. Plenty of, um, missed opportunities there but at the same time so much i learned from being the only person who was responsible for the results i got because me cheating on a test i was only cheating one person (laughs) and that's really how life is right like if you cheat out on doing your what you need to do in order to achieve your dreams or if you cheat out on what you need to do in order to start a business or anything like that you're only cheating one person (laughs) yeah you know you're only letting one person down. And so that's why you really just have to take that next level of responsibility.
0: <laughs> I think that's great. I think it's important for us to remember that we are in charge of our dreams and it is us who is responsible to actually take that step because no one's going to take that step for us. Absolutely. So obviously you did that. Um, along the way, Was were there any really major barriers that you encountered or breakthroughs that you had to have in order to achieve this um where you are in freedom
1: and Mm -hmm. yeah i mean obviously so many small ones um we hear people talk so much about mindset and how important mindset is i remember hating that when i was trying to like start a business trying to achieve different goals and i was like mindset that's so unhelpful you know (laughs) tell me what to do you know give me some advice point me in the direction mindset you know is mindset uh, and even then i like recognized that i'm sure there was something to mindset but like i needed some practical step by step you know <laughs> give me the tools and um now in retrospect i do see so many ways in which mindset was so important like the only thing that mattered um And a lot of it comes down to, I think, like, if you believe that you will succeed, then you're going to show up with a different energy. And I mean that in like a very literal sense, like you'll be more energetic, you know, you'll have more motivation if you believe that you're going to succeed. Whereas if you don't, if you really doubt that it's going to work, then you're just not going to really show up and put in the work. And so while I had a lot of mindset issues um, and, and something that I would really love to dive into, although I don't mean dive into here or now, um, but kind of on my own, is I would love to work through all of the, the mindset shifts that I had over mm-hmm. the past several years. Because um, I've tried to think of them and off the top of my head, I don't know what all of them are by any means. I feel like there were so many small ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see often much um, enumeration of particular mindsets or like clearly identified like mindset shifts that people could go through. So I think I just need to do some, some personal research on that. But one mindset that, uh, see back then I just didn't know it, which of my mindsets were good, which were bad, which I needed to work on or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, well, if I don't even know, then how can I possibly fix whatever this supposed mindset problem is? And how can I ever be successful if that is so important? And one thing that I've learned in retrospect is just that there, the one most important mindset, which is the one I was just talking about, like basically having confidence that you will succeed, or at least believing that you're able to figure it out, um, as Marie Forleo says, everything is figure outable." Yeah. That, sort of, that sort of idea, um, that mindset I have. And I didn't know I had it or that I could have not had it or anything like that. But I happened to have it, fortunately, (laughs) because because I believed that in the deepest part of myself, um, I did continue to show up and I did continue to try to do things better, Um, even when I was lazy, even when I didn't feel like it, uh, even when I didn't do it for a while. I always came back to try and I just kept trying and kept trying and kept trying and Never gave up until eventually I did achieve the dream um, and not just didn't give up or, or kept showing up. That is so important, but it kept showing up better than I had showed up before. I kept trying harder and I see a lot of people trying to achieve some sort of dream And the dream. I'm thinking of most often right now, well, actually, well, so many dreams, but uh, either trying to build an audience online. So they're trying to like grow following on social media or something like that. Or completely different example here, but you're trying to lose weight. Okay. Mm -hmm. Both things where you're trying to kind of like increase or decrease a number, right? And what you need to do in order to reach that goal seems pretty straightforward. We're trying to grow on social media. We probably need to make good quality content on a regular basis, right? Mm -hmm. If you're trying to lose weight, you probably need to move your body less and eat a little or move your body more and eat a little bit less, right? Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Something you need to do over and over again. But both of those things you can so clearly see the difference in people who believe they'll succeed and people who don't because people who believe they succeed, they'll succeed they not only keep doing it but they really put their heart and soul into it and their content gets better and better they make better and better videos they take better pictures for Instagram or whatever it is right they really show up as their the best version of themselves and continually working on improving that or with losing weight you know they really they continue to log their food they actually work on getting their steps in. You know, they, they don't make excuses for why they're going to eat the dessert. They choose to eat that. Like they can make the hard choices because they know it's going to pay off. Mm -hmm. And then on the flip side of the spectrum, you see people who they want to build a following on social media. So they're posting every day, but they're not doing it very well. Right. Like they're, they're lazy posting. Right. And they're just doing it because like checking the box, I guess that's what you have to do to be successful. And after several months or a year or two, it's not working. So they give up, (laughs) you know? Mm-hmm. Or with losing the weight, you know, they they do those things, but they do them inconsistently. And so then they'll make an excuse for why they want to eat this thing they know they probably shouldn't eat. And then they'll, they'll tell themselves that, well, I already failed, so now I'll just eat another one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and we all do that, of course. And, and not at all saying that this is a black and white, you either have it or you don't but i think most of us in with any particular thing we tend to be more on one side of the spectrum or the other um i have this youtube channel today that is pretty successful Mm -hmm. but it's not my first youtube channel i started another youtube channel in the past that didn't turn into a big big success and it was because even though i in general tend to have that positive mindset for that thing i didn't really and i don't actually think that that was long-term a problem because I didn't have the, the information that I needed in order to be honestly confident in it. Hmm. I thought maybe this will work out. I don't know, I'll try it. And I think that was a good thing to be able to try something, even if you're not sure if it's gonna work out, to get your feet wet, you know, um, because if I had never tried it, then I would have just kept wondering if maybe it would work. And I would have kept thinking, I don't like how I sound, uh, when I'm recorded, and I don't like how I look on camera and things like that. But by jumping in and just trying it, even though I didn't have the right mindset to long-term succeed, then I was able to get some good learning under my belt and make a little bit of progress. So that later, when I circled back around with a lot more confidence, I was able to execute with confidence. So really, trying before I was ready gave me the confidence to be able to do later on. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's good. I love that. I think that's so important is that the mindset shifts, you're right, is everything. And it's something that a lot of us don't want to do because it's hard. It makes us have to look inside ourselves and reflect and change. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes we're not willing to do that. So what is one piece of advice that you would give somebody or a mom in particular who has a dream, but maybe just scared to um, go after it or just doesn't know how it's all going to come together? What advice would you give her?
1: Well, I would say start by as much as you can, um, getting clear on exactly what the dream is. It's okay if you don't know exactly, but the clearer you can get, the, the easier it's going to be for you. And then make a plan and just jump into your plan, whether you have the confidence or not. Like, don't worry about whether you have that right mindset, try to have it, but just jump into it and don't be afraid to fail. I know that's cliche advice, but really, if you're afraid to fail, you won't even try as much as you can do it for the experience do it for the learning have that mindset that however it stands out it's going to be for the best and you're going to get something positive out of it um which honestly I think would have sounded silly to me in the past if because I thought well all I care about is you know achieving the goal so if I fail then I failed (laughs) but if you can wrap your mind around just that It's okay if you don't because even if you fail this time, you're going to learn something that will help you ultimately achieve the goal, ultimately reach your dreams. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not that it's okay if you never reach your dreams. It's okay if you don't reach them this time, right now, in this way because you're getting closer.
0: Right. Because our dreams start somewhere and they may end differently and we have no idea how that's going to come together, but it will if we stay consistent. And go after it. That's that's really, really what all that all that it takes to achieve a dream is just to keep going. So, um, I really appreciate you being with me here on on the podcast, Gillian. I've loved hearing your story because I knew a little bits and pieces of it. Um, I would pretty much I'd call you one of my business mentors because you've really helped me um, build my own business and um, even get to where I am with a podcast. And so um i've loved that and i actually found you on youtube and my husband i I don't know if i've ever told you this story but my husband's the one that sent me a video he's like oh here you're thinking about starting a business so here you need to watch her i just and i'm like i thought he had been watching you and really and he just he found you and he's like here (laughs) so um that's kind of where it started and then i got a chance to be a part of startup society so i would love for you to share with um all the listeners here where they can find you and a little bit about the things that you have and maybe I'd love to hear a little bit more about your podcast um earn or it's uh work less earn more Mm -hmm. right yeah that's right
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say that I'm completely honored that you call me one of your business ventures. It's been such a, a, a real joy to get to know you over the past year or so um, as we've been working together and to watch your growth um, in so many different ways, your growth with your your YouTube channel, especially I've just noticed how much like growth with the quality of your videos and things like that, but also the growth of your business and the growth of your, your knowledge and the confidence with which you are building your business. So that's been really fun from my end as well. So I'm really I'm just glad that your husband randomly found me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll thank him later. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, if people want to connect with me further, then the the best way is probably the YouTube channel. Uh, but honestly, if you just Google my name, Gillian Perkins. You'll find my website, and you'll also find the YouTube channel right away. Um, so yeah, just look up my name. Uh, but YouTube is where most of the content goes. And then you also mentioned Startup Society. Um, So I know that your podcast is about achieving all sorts of dreams, but if anyone who's listening is interested in learning how to start their own online business, if they want to learn how to um, earn a living from home, that's something that's something that is a goal of theirs or a dream of theirs, then I would love to have them consider joining startup society. Um, They can head over to gillianperkins.com and there's a button in the corner that says join startup society. And if they click that, they'll just find a whole lot of information about the program uh, as as you know, Gabe, we try to keep the program as affordable as possible so that the information really is accessible to as many people. So I would love it if any of your listeners um, have that interest, if they consider joining us or reach out with any questions they have about the program.
0: Awesome. Yes, I would say it's a great investment. Startup Society is definitely affordable and a great investment.
1: Awesome. And then you also mentioned the podcast. So yes, yes. I am starting a podcast. It's called Work Less, Earn More, as you mentioned. Um, It's launching on January 27th. I imagine most people who listen to this will be listening after that time, January 27th of 2020. Um, And it's all about running an online business in the least amount of time possible while creating the biggest results possible Um, because I see so many entrepreneurs out there who are trying to fulfill their dreams by running a business. And they're not (laughs) because they started their business to have freedom, to have flexibility, to make a great living for themselves. And instead, they're working 40, 50 hours a week or more. Their business just completely controls their life and they're not making a very good living from it. So, we're going to be talking all about strategies that I use for running my business in 20 hours a week on the podcast. Um, and also the most efficient, effective marketing strategies to really get your business out there with the least amount of effort and the least amount of time possible. Um, because as people who live in this modern day and age and have uh, a million and one um, responsibilities, um, including, of course, in my case, parenting, um, we just really don't have that 40 plus hours a week to devote to just paying the bills (laughs) right so that's what the podcast is all about Um, people can find it on any podcast app that they use after January 27th or they can find it on GillianHurricanes.com.
0: awesome thank you so much Gillian it's been so fun hearing your story thank you for diving deep with me and sharing your dream yes
1: absolutely thank you so much for having me and I'm excited to see where your podcast goes from here
0: wasn't it fun to hear Gillian's story I love how her mind works and how from a very young age, she was thinking as an entrepreneur, but isn't it fascinating that her first endeavor wasn't what stuck. It took her years of trial and error to find what she is most passionate about and to create a business that she could use to build freedom and a legacy for her family. So many times we see the end story and forget that they take years to actually form. The middle is the beautiful mess that we all need to endure in order to see lasting change and blessings. What looks easy from the outside is really days and months and years of discipline and persistence. Be encouraged today, friend, that your dreams and goals matter, and you are the only person who can see them through. I believe in you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I had a great time, and I hope you did too. Before we go, though, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite listening platform if you haven't already. This will make sure you have access to all future episodes so you don't miss any of them. If you resonated with this episode, please consider leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any friends or family whom you think would enjoy this podcast, be sure to share it with them so they can reap the benefits as well. I hope you step into the fire with me each and every episode because I know you will come out stronger. That's all for now. Talk with you real soon. Bye, winner.